Roger Hoover with you from Birmingham, Alabama. We've got Kyle Crooks in Gainesville, Florida. And in the center of the screen, direct from Syracuse, New York, yes, in a dorm room, Nicholas is joining us as he is the youngest guest we have ever had on Broadcaster Hour. And Ian, I imagine you're one of the youngest people ever to be a play-by-play announcer for an ESPN sporting event. Congratulations on the Kids Cast this past weekend in Williamsport. How's everything going? Thank you so much, Roger and Kyle. Everything is going insane. I mean, it's probably been the nuttiest week of my life going straight from Williamsport on Wednesday after calling the, the couple kids cast the Little League World Series game on Tuesday and uh, and the Sunday night baseball game right to college as a freshman. It's been wild. I wouldn't have it any other way, though. It's the perfect end of my last summer, uh, I guess, as a free man, you could say. And uh, I mean, obviously, a once in a lifetime opportunity at only 18 years old to call a couple of national television games. So a great way to start my career at Syracuse, get my foot in the door. And uh, it's just been it's been awesome. The unpacking process here in the dorm, I see I got some we got some boxes in the back. We got a lamp back there where we've just moved in here. So where are we in in this whole process? I I could give you the panorama, but, you know, I might be a little embarrassed. (laughs) Point is, is we're done, Kyle. My parents, you know, I'm an only child. They wanted to make sure it was good and done well. So they're here for three and a half hours yesterday, moving me in. And uh, it looks good here. My roommate and I are both broadcast journalism majors. So he moved in a few days earlier. And uh, we've got a nice setup here uh, up on the mount, which is like 150 steps to get up to our dorm here. So, uh, you know, those calf muscles will be worked out. And uh, the dorm room is set up and it looks nice. So how exhilarating have the last few days been? And we talked before we went live, just the amount of Twitter reaction. And Roger mentioned, you know, you, you did the Sunday night baseball game for the kid cast on ESPN two. You did a standalone broadcast for the little league world series mm-hmm. on ESPN at uh, you're 18 years old right now, Ian. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're just a kid and being able to, to, to live up to the, whatever expectations in, in your own mind and that type of broadcast, just how, ex- I guess, exhilarating is the word I'll use. Just how's it been for you? Oh, no. Exhilarating is a really great word. And luckily, I had a really good high school television station in New Canaan, Connecticut, and CTV 78, where we really ran as a small college station. So we were able to call games, you know, and do reports live in the studio for years. So I had three years of experience really calling television style games in high school, which I don't want to say prepared me, you know, to make the jump to a, a couple national TV games, but it certainly gave me a really good starting spot. And, uh, you know, I, I really have a lot of confidence in myself. And in this business, as you guys know, you have to have a confident presence on air. Viewers have to believe that you know what you're talking about with a confident smile. And, you know, you know, you know, you're, you know what you're saying. So uh, I, I always thought that I belonged there eventually. I didn't think it was going to happen at 18. And, uh, yeah, you know, I could definitely feel the butterflies on Sunday. Tuesday was a little more loose. You know, Little League, it's a lot more fun. Uh, you know, the atmosphere is super exciting. But the MLB game, knowing that we'd have those big interviews coming up and, you know, the national television audience of a Sunday night baseball game. Uh, I, I don't know if I was nervous because I was really well prepared, but I was definitely, you know, as we crept closer and closer to seven o'clock, you know, I definitely felt some kind of way. Yeah, imagine as well, you mentioned the interviews you had. You had the trade. Monet Davis goes to Sunday Night Baseball. Alex Rodriguez mm-hmm. comes over to the kids cast. I mean, you're sitting right next to A-Rod, you know, interview as the game's going on. You know, Tani FaceTimes into you guys. I mean, that must have been just a whirlwind having those interviews happen along with the game. Yeah, it's super interesting to balance because I watched the Field of Dreams game a few weeks prior. And for everybody who watched that, obviously, Kevin Costner hopped in the booth for a few innings and did it with Joe Buck and the crew there. So I kind of had an interesting feel of like how we take it, you know, how to focus on the game, but also the interview 
kind of takes the forefront. Because you're talking to Alex Rodriguez, you're not going to get that opportunity all the time. He's a great mind in baseball. He's a really good personality. But those interviews, they were just so rapid fire. I mean, the first two innings, it was straight commentary. And then top of the third, it was A-Rod. Bottom of the third, we did the first ever, you know, national television FaceTime interview with the biggest star in all of baseball right now, Shohei Otani. And we, you know, it was Roger, uh, you know, it was, I mean, Commissioner Manfred, excuse me, Bob Manfred in the in the fourth. And it just kept going and going. Joe Madden, Tristan McKenzie. So it was rapid fire. And I love that pace because it was kind of like boom, 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 boom. You didn't have any chance to like think of like how to mess up or, you know, where are we taking it? It was just it was constant. And you kind of had to think on your feet. And I think, again, in this business, you have to think on your feet really well and, uh, you know, listen to the interviewer, but also at the same time, uh, pay attention to the game as well and be able to try to craft your questions in your head. Uh, all at the same time. So I kind of liked how we were just thrown into it, in a sense, and it just kept going and going because it gave you less time to think and more time to react. And you're thrown into it as well, not just on your own calling the game solo, but you get to work with some uh, people I know you knew from the Bruce Beck camp. What can you tell us about Zoe Alter, Haley Galindo, and also getting to meet Monet Davis? You probably watched in the Little League World Series years ago. Now you get to work with her. I know everybody was reacting, you know, to a tweet that ESPN put out, which is like Monet Davis, you know, seven years ago, she was in the Little League World Series. And now she's announcing and everybody's like, that was seven years ago. Yeah. So it's crazy how time flies. She is super chill. Honestly, she is going to do really great in this business. She wants to continue in journalism. She's uh, she's studying it now communications at Hampton where she plays softball. And uh, she's super talented. She's so comfortable on air. Everybody loves her. And she's really she knows what she's talking about at the end of the day. And people love to get that straight analysis. You know, some guys, they like to fluff it. But she's just straight to this is what's happening on the field. And this is what you need to know. And people really respect that. And she's got a bright future. And she's super down to earth. And she was fun to work with. And Zoe, I've known her for four years because we uh, started the Bruce Beck camp at the same time. And we live like 30 minutes apart. Uh, she's in New York state. I'm in Connecticut, but, uh, she's super awesome. She's going to be a senior. She's got a really interesting personality. She's super unique, a lot of passion. Uh, and she also knows what she's talking about and she's got a bright future as well. And again, I, I knew her when she could barely put a word together on camera. And I know the girl who, you know, go off on tangents on air and think of things that nobody else would think and have a great chemistry with Monet. So she's amazing. And Haley, that was really her first time ever honestly doing anything legitimately on camera because she'd done the Bruce Camp, Bruce Beck Sports Broadcasting Camp for two years over Zoom in San Antonio, Texas. And the camp is based in the Northeast. So usually as Kyle, you, you went to the camp, you know, you were from Jersey. I'm from Connecticut. You get kids from New York State and occasionally some stragglers. But with the power of Zoom, we were able to get her from Texas to join us for two years. We saw her personality on the Zoom screen and it translated to the ESPN cameras and she was just awesome with the kids. So they've all got super bright futures ahead and the Bruce Beck camp just really prepared us for uh, for this opportunity and uh, to get on the national stage at such a young age, it really gave us a good, uh, a good chance to succeed. And, and I was able to do that camp back when it was Bruce Beck and Ian Eagles camp in Montclair, in Montclair State University. And we're able to get hands-on experience. What was the camp like over Zoom? I'm wondering, like, what were you able, were you guys able to do live play-by-play and and do highlights? Just how how was it able to function in, in the pandemic world to be able to get some good reps? No, Bruce, his interns, and the rest of his team, alongside Mike Quick, who, who teaches the veteran camp, they were able to transition really smoothly. Uh, the power of Zoom is not to be underestimated. Screen sharing was 
uh, utilized heavily. Uh, they would have highlight packages that they would, you know, share with you the night before, use the honor system and say, don't look at it. You know, you don't want to spoil the surprise, go in blind, be authentic, you know, write your script and be ready. You know, write your scripts on Google Docs, perform live by pinning your video, you know, to Zoom and having everybody see you, uh, giving feedback afterwards in Zoom, using breakout rooms to, you know, meet with, you know, members of the team and give you more specialized uh, critique. And uh, for play-by-play, we actually had the Knicks radio announcer, Ed Cohen, uh, who is really a talented guy and a really down-to-earth guy as well, uh, come in and give us the breakdown, what to do, what to say. You know, he would, like, we'd pick one game to do, like, a 10-minute split of. And, uh, you know, he'd give us the day, the time, the setting, what jerseys they were wearing, you know, all that stuff. Like, all the background info for this game that had happened the season prior for the Knicks. And then we'd call it radio style with a friend and, you know, foot play-by-play in the middle. So was it the same as a normal camp? Not at all, unfortunately. But at the same time, we learned about the same. The connection with each other wasn't the same because, you you know, you lose focus with Zoom so quickly, in my opinion. It's hard to stay engaged sitting in one place at one time. But, uh, you know, we learned about the same. And Mike Quick and Bruce were still able to give the feedback to the kids that uh, we, we value so much. And going back to doing this whole ESPN experience that you've had, what was it like? Because I assume at the high school level, you didn't have producers and directors in your ear. And that's a different battle, an uphill climb. You know, I was a radio guy for a long time and it took me a while. It kind of threw me off once there's somebody in your left ear while you're trying to call the game and you get used to it over time. But for you, getting to that production and being part of of something that is so advanced what was that like to get used to just kind of the technical side of it all in a in a broadcast like that with somebody in your ear? No, it was definitely a different beast. Actually, at our high school station, we were able to do live YouTube broadcasts that were TV style, multiple cameras, a really well-funded program. And we did have producers that were in our ear, not nearly to the extent of ESPN. But I had some experience, obviously, putting on the headset, being live. You know, we had some, like, local sponsors. But, you know, it was like... I mean, I had a monitor in front of me in high school, too, so I could see what the people were seeing on the YouTube live streams. But, you know, producer Joe McCoy and his crew at ESPN were unbelievable. He was so uh, excited for this broadcast, and he just prepared us really well. If I ever had a question, uh, like, what are we doing out of break? You know, we're going to hit Jose Ramirez, but then we're going to go to the starting lineups, and now we're going to kick it down to Haley. I'd be like, what did, you know, what are you, what are we doing again? Like, I'd make sure to ask the questions because he's, you know, he's going so quick. And I want to make sure that I know what we're going to, you know, in break and out of break. So uh, the communication, I would say, was really uh, not seamless. But Joe and I had a good connection off the jump. I think he trusted me and I trusted him, especially after we did a, a practice run uh, on Saturday night, the Little League games. So our communication was really good. I kind of had a feel for where he wanted to go with the broadcast. Like sometimes he'd feed me a little note and I would like pick up on it halfway and like finish it. Like, for instance, after the Otani interview, he said this was the first ever interview on Face, And I'd be like, this is the first ever interview on <laughs> FaceTime during Sunday night. But, yeah, like, I knew what he wanted to say. So, you know, we had a really good connection. Uh, I always made sure to follow up and make sure if I wasn't sure what was going on, like what order where we, we were hitting things. Like, what? wait, where is that coming first? Am I going to Haley? Like, what's the deal? So definitely slowing it down and making sure to utilize those commercial breaks to uh, which I had never had in high school, you know, breaks in the middle of the action. Uh, utilize those commercial breaks to 
make sure Joe and I were on the same page. Make sure me and Monet and, and Zoe in the booth and Haley down on the field were all on the same page. But uh, the communication was really good. I think our producer, uh, Joe, was super excited for this event, wanted to make sure it turned out well. He did it two years ago with the first Kids cast, so he knew how to deal with us, and uh, he did a great job. What's the preparation like for the two broadcasts you have? Because you had the Kids cast for the Major League game on Sunday night, then you got to do a standalone Little League World Series game uh, on Tuesday. Just what was it like preparing for both of those? Because I imagine you had a ton of game notes, a ton to get ready for for the Major League game. Little League game probably had to do a little bit more homework, I would imagine. Yeah, you're exactly right, Roger. So I got the call in mid to late July that I was going to be able to do this. And they told me it was MLB Little League Classic and an MLB, or excuse me, and a, and a Little League World Series game. So I knew what the matchup was for the MLB Little League Classic, uh, uh, you know, Cleveland and Los Angeles. So I got MLB TV, used the gift card, bought that for free, started watching all game, all their games all during the week, made sure I had notifications on for them. But also, you know, as August started rolling around, I started writing out lineups on folders, you know, making sure that I had notes on every single guy that could possibly be playing from starting pitchers to bullpen, you know, rotation guys. And eventually guys got brought up late, but I also were able to write notes on. So I had a ton of preparation on the Angels and the Indians. And I was making sure that if I failed, I was not going to fail because of a lack of notes, a lack of talking points, a lack of. Stuff like that. You know, if I flub the word or I mispronounce or not even, no, you definitely want to get the pronunciation right. But, you know, if I if something went wrong from a technical perspective, that's fine. But I didn't want to fail because of a lack of preparation. So I made sure for that game I knew what I was talking about. But for the Little League game, it's 16 teams and we didn't know what the final matchup was until Monday afternoon. We knew New Hampshire would be in the game, but I had to go to the Oregon-South Dakota game in the afternoon to see who would lose and who we would get. So a lot of that preparation was done, honestly, in that two-day window from Monday to Tuesday uh, in the quick turnaround. And when I got to Williamsport last Thursday, uh, I showed up to the hotel that they, uh, they had us staying at, and they gave me a huge packet. It was a big folder, and it was 32 packets in it, Six, two for each team, 16 teams. So it was, you know, coach notes, history of how many times they've been in a Little League World Series, fun facts about the town. Uh, that the Little League is from, you know, player bios, questionnaires from the players, you know, height, weight, position, everything you could think of. So they really made sure for all the broadcasters that were calling these games that they would have plenty of information on these kids and the coaches in the programs uh, for Little League. So I had all the notes, but I didn't really get into it until the field was whittled down. And I knew, all right, here are my four packets, New Hampshire, the two for them and the two for Oregon. So for the Little League game, I had my four folders. I had them laid out and I was ready. For the other game, I was doing a lot of chicken scratch the, the two nights prior. So definitely two different attacks of preparation. And honestly, in high school, I was more of the, the last second, you know, like night or two before chicken scratch guy. So it was really good to take the approach of, you know, t over a few weeks, you know, breaking down two teams with the MLB. So definitely learned a lot about how to prepare, maybe how not to prepare in the future with overwriting, underwriting, all that good stuff. That's certainly good. And for somebody who's never been to Williamsport, I haven't been, I don't know if Kyle's been, but if you've never been to Little League World Series, what would you describe about the atmosphere there? What's it like to be there in person, just surrounded by so many kids, so much great baseball? Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, I actually had never been a Little League World Series either. So I've never been there in a year where uh, a global health crisis like COVID-19 has had the impact that it's had. 
Uh, it's definitely been a little different. No international teams this year, so we weren't able to get that experience. Everybody loves those kids, from what I've heard. They're super genuine, genuine, and uh, everyone loves them. Uh, and it was also, you know, not dead, but you know, there was a lot of times where you'd be able to walk around and go through with golf carts, and usually you, you can't even walk around that area. Uh, you know, with the two fields, Lomity and Volunteer, like you cannot, it's usually just packed, but this time it was a little less crowded, but it was just awesome because all the parents were there, all the, you know, the siblings of the kids who were playing were there and the energy was still electric. Uh, there were some really awesome moments and storylines that developed. We saw Gavin Weir, we saw Ella Bruning, we just saw these kids uh, just embrace the national spotlight and to see them do it, and they're so small, and they have so much energy, it's just really great. That You can't really beat Little League Baseball. It's just so fast-paced, and the game's just nonstop action. And uh, that whole town is Little League, let me tell you. I mean, really, that town just comes alive during that time of the year. And it's uh, really great hospitality and really great people that make Williamsport and the community what it is. Yeah, but those people live for those moments. And so happy that we've had another great tournament this year where we've seen stars develop. And, uh, you know, ESPN has done a great job covering it as well. But the town of Williamsport is just a quaint little city, you know, not super big, but, you know, normal, I don't know, 100,000 people probably in that area in the middle of Pennsylvania where it's a lot of farmland. So it really is in the middle of, of nowhere, Pennsylvania, to be honest. But uh, a really great place for just some really high action uh, Little League baseball. And uh, hopefully I get to go back there when it's really at its peak. And when fans who are not just uh, related to the players are there. So, Ian, when did this passion for we'll start with play by play specifically start for you? Do you remember the first game where maybe you muted the TV and you were mm -hmm. watching a game or just listening to a broadcaster? I don't know. You, you grew up in, in New Canaan, right? So I'm sure I don't know if you're a Yankees, Red Sox fan listening yeah. to specific announcers. Is there is there any moment that maybe was a spark for you? Yeah, so honestly, this is what I tell people. I got into football. Football was my first sport around like 2013. I played a ton of Madden in NBA 2K, and I just love to talk to myself. And when I played the game in my basement alone, not playing with anyone online, I would call play-by-play -play of the game like to myself. And I knew what I was doing, too, because I was, had the controller in my hand. So that made the play-by-play -play really easy. But that's honestly where it started. I was a stat nut. I just studied all these players, and I just became super enthused into the game of football. And eventually, uh, you know, I was a diehard Giants fan. I still am. Diehard Knicks fan, Yankees. Those are my three teams, really, that I really root for uh, on a consistent basis. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of broadcaster influences. But I wouldn't say, um, you know, and also, like, when I would watch games with my father with Giants games, I would start commentating the game in front of him, too. And he would say, you know, let the professionals speak. Shh. I'm like, well, that's what I want. This is what I want to do, you know? And I think that's when I kind of knew, like, I want to be involved in sports for the rest of my life. I just don't know how. And I think that's how a lot of broadcasters get it. I'm, you know, I'm not a big guy. I'm super slow. So football, playing it wasn't the option. Uh, you know, I didn't think I had the knowledge to be a coach. And I didn't really know how to get there. But broadcasting, our high school station was really good. So I was able to audition to be on air my sophomore year uh, as a sports reporter in a studio. So I was able to do that at the start of my sophomore year. And I got in the commentary in the booth through uh, my TV teacher, who I played football at the time. I played JV and varsity. And my teacher said, we need a color commentator for Friday's game. Are you down to do it? I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be dressing. 
I mean, I know I wouldn't have played, but still I'm supposed to be there. So I had to have a talk with the winningest high school football coach in Connecticut history and say, I'm missing this game this weekend. Is that all right? And he didn't care. You know, he didn't really, he knew I wasn't playing. So he's like, sure, do what you want. (laughs) Um, so that was a bit of an interesting transition because the kids are like, what are you doing? You're not showing up. You're missing practices. You know, it, it was a bit of a rough time in a sense where I was drawn between the sport I love and the friends that I was super close with and, and broadcasting, which I knew I had the, the talent or at least I knew I was a bit of a natural at it. And if I kept growing and I kept, you know, getting the reps, I'd get better. And this is what I was really good at. So eventually I made the decision after sophomore year to uh to go to the mic full time and i really i I guess there was one moment where i knew that i had to quit football which was we we were calling a basketball game and this kid from our team new canaan hit a half court shot at the buzzer and it was an electric game his shot went on sports center you know the next day for for top 10 and uh, i will never remember i'll never forget i'll always remember that night because he just, this kid made an electric play. And I remember telling myself after the game when I had lost my voice, you know, these are the moments I want to cover for the rest of my life. I don't want to miss these moments. I want to be here to document them and to make them better in the end and to give them the call that they deserve. So that's when I knew, you know, January, February, sophomore year, that I had to go to this full time and that I really loved doing it. And then I called more, you know, I called lacrosse, I called field hockey, volleyball, any sport I could get my hands on because all of those high school athletes deserve the attention. Uh, they put a lot of hard work in, but yeah, I just felt like the high school station was in place. I got involved early. I made sure to show up early, stay late and, uh, show my teacher and my classmates. I really cared. And, uh, I hope to do the same thing here at Syracuse. Now that's where I transition next. Cause Syracuse is the broadcasting factory. It's where everybody goes to eventually go to ESPN. And there's a reason why there's a great culture there. There's a great radio station there. When you, uh, I think of you almost as like a, a top 10, like college football recruit. Like, I feel like every <laughs> every broadcasting school wants you like Five Missouri's star. knocking on your door. Northwestern's in your <laughs> living room saying we want Ian. We're, we, we're going to give Ian an NIL rules now. We're going to give him whatever <laughs> he wants. But what what like were there any other schools in the mix or because you knew the reputation of Syracuse, you said like this is I know this is where I want to be the, the cream of the crop of college sports casting. No, that's a really good question, Kyle. So as soon as I knew that I liked sports broadcasting freshman, sophomore year, uh, my parents, who don't really know much about the sports world, sports commentary world, they're both in the hotel business, actually. They started doing research and they pretty much figured out that Syracuse was the cream of the crop, like you said. And, you know, that's where they really were steering me. And I give them credit because, you know, it's where I should be at the end of the day. Because, you know, this is, as you mentioned, it's the factory. It's where people go to get better. It's where they go because the networking is phenomenal. And the people here are really genuine. Like, I've met a ton of BDJ students, uh, broadcast digital journalism over the last few days. It's a phenomenal group. I can't wait to start getting to really work with them uh, when classes start next week. But uh, my parents are like, this is the Harvard of broadcasting. You've got to go. And, you know, part of me was like, no, let me see what else is out there. And, you know, I do want to see everything else because there are a lot of great broadcasting schools out there, like the Northwesterns and Arizona States and Missouri's. But the one program that I was really interested in outside of Syracuse uh, actually is a newer program called Virginia Tech um, or not when well, I call Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech sports program, I should say, sports broadcasting program, 3304 sports. Uh, they're led actually by an ESPN announcer, Bill Roth, who uh, who went to Syracuse, which is kind of funny. It's like he's promoting his brand, but. 
you know, he went to Syracuse. But he is a really good broadcaster, and he's got a great program there. And they really intrigued me. And he, he, as he mentioned, he treated me as a recruit. And that felt good to be wanted, right? You know, especially as a guy who was never really good at sports and no, was nowhere close to getting recruited to play him. For the guy to, you know, be Zooming with me, giving critiques, getting other guys to hop on calls with me, it felt really good. And uh, Virginia Tech definitely has a lot of good things going for them. They have a great incoming class of kids. And that's a name and that's a program that you're going to see rise, in my opinion, in the middle of the country. But, you know, at the end of the day, I knew Syracuse was the place to be. And I ended up EDing to Syracuse because I figured, you know, if I get in, I'm going. And I wanted to put all my chips on the table in that sense and uh, and go there. And it's funny because now that I've done this thing with ESPN, you know, I was worried. Am I going to get the reps? Am I going to see the on air? Because it's super competitive here. And there's a lot of talented kids who have you know put the work in and they're ready to put more work in to compete and to get these on air spots. It's a family in the end, but it's a competition, too. So, uh, you know, I, especially with the ESPN thing, it's kind of opened people up and it, it, it does put a pressure on your shoulders because you've got to follow it up and you've got to continue to be really good. But at the same time, I like it because I do like to be appreciated. Everyone does. And to be able to, you know, people to see my work and my classmates to see it, too. And they're coming up to me. It's like, I just saw you on ESPN. It, it, it's a super awesome feeling. But, yeah, Syracuse and Virginia Tech were my one and my two. And uh, in the end, I never even knew what happened with Virginia Tech because I ED'd to Syracuse. I never heard back from Virginia Tech because I had ED'd and it's binding. So those are the two schools that really intrigued me. There's a lot of great programs nationwide that were also cool. But in the end, Syracuse was the place to be for my freshman year going out. Plus, like 10 kids from my town are here as well. I've seen like all of them. <laughs> Super popular school in Fairfield County, Connecticut to attend. So that's also another great element. Uh, so yeah, Syracuse was always the place for me in the end. I'm really happy I ended up here. It is the factory, but it's also a great school overall as well and a nice city. So, uh, yeah, those were the two schools that I really liked. Yeah, and a lot of times you go to school and then you start mixings with a lot of broadcasters. But I know even last spring and summer with your high school station or YouTube channel, you're able to interview a lot of different broadcasters that Kyle and I were getting ready for our interview with Wayne Randazzo on this show. And we stumbled upon your interview last year with him. And that's where I was like, I recognize that kid when I saw the kids cast the other night because I was like, he interviewed uh -huh. Randazzo last year. Uh, what can yeah. you tell us about that experience and what you kind of picked up by picking the brains of other announcers kind of like we do on this show? Oh, yeah. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, we all had to adapt. I mean, it, it was kind of like, what are we doing now? And for our high school station, we really just were uh, thrown for a loop because all our broadcasts went from live in studio to doing them from home. You know, with a, uh, a few pieces of equipment that our teacher had given with us before we were sent to, you know, uh, you know, into the lockdown in March. So what we ended up doing was... Um, you know, recording our reports from our couches and our sofas and meeting on Zoom and putting out live reports at the end of every other week. But uh, with the Wayne Rendazzo interview and with interviews like it, we just started doing a bunch of Zoom podcasts. And, you know, we did podcasts with local teachers and athletes, uh, with uh, high school coaches that we knew our community would really like. But we also used the opportunity, my friend Dylan Pescatore, Austin Platt, and I, to network and to try to pick the brains of uh, fellow broadcasters and to get in touch with them because in the end of the day they weren't doing anything just like us you know they were trying to find things to do but there were no sports to call and a lot of people have open dms on twitter they follow their instagram uh you know direct messages they link their numbers or their emails into their their instagrams and you're just able to you know take the risk i mean there really is no risk involved with sending an email sending a direct message saying 
hey, do you want to come on the show? You know, this is the show. This is what we've done so far. You know, just tell us when you're available. We'd really like to have you on. And a lot of them really showed up. We got some great names. We got Kenny Albert to come on the show, which uh, I've been able to become uh, a solid friend with uh, and stay in communication with. And he is phenomenal. We got Wayne Rendazzo. We got, you know, Mike Cousins, another Syracuse guy. We've got just a bunch of different names. We got, uh, I mean, we got athletes as well, too, entertainment people. I, I wanted to make sure we didn't limit it just to sports because whatever name you can get, you know, take the advantage and try to become better. We got the first ever winner of The Voice to come on the show. You know, we just in any avenue, just trying to network, trying to improve as an interviewer because that's one area in my, um, I guess in my arsenal where I want to improve is my interviewing. I like, you know, I can improve everywhere. But if there's one place that I really do want to improve, it's podcasting because it's becoming so big right now. And everybody, uh, you know, has their forum, their media, their their podcast site, where they want to go and where they uh, and where they really like to, to view and, and listen. But uh, that's the one place where I really want to improve. And the pandemic gave me a chance to really, uh, you know, sink my teeth in and improve as an interviewer. Well, that's a really cool experience. And now, of course, you're at Syracuse, like we mentioned. You just moved in this week. You're getting ready to start yep. your freshman year at SU. Uh, what are the first steps you're going to take? Are you taking many journalism classes this year? Is mostly some of the core work you're doing? And are you able to get any reps this year, whether it's play-by-play or reporting, hosting a segment, anything like that on radio? Are you able to get some reps this year? Well, there's a lot of talented seniors and juniors here who have worked their way up the ladder, and I think they're definitely going to get the first crack. And, you know, when the ground is running with the uh, with the student-run TV stations and radio stations, they're going to be the first to go because they've earned it and they've done their time in a sense. Uh, but I am going to join all the organizations that they have here from day one, and I'm going to try to just make an impact. And if that's in front of a camera, great, whenever that is. But I know that these kids have worked super hard to get to where they are, and I have too but at the high school level. So Citrus TV is one of them. That's where I'm going to be able to do live sports reports, you know, from the field, post-game recaps, pre-game recaps, uh, and then in-studio work, sports hosting. I'm going to join that organization from day one and try to get involved. WAER, for all the play-by-play announcers, is a super well-known radio station because they call all the major games over radio. And it's funny because I don't really have much experience calling games over radio because all the games I did in high school were mostly TV-styled, I just did two TV-styled games for ESPN, so I'm going to have to adjust in that sense and, and be able to, to paint the picture a little bit more with, with WAER, but I'm going to get involved with them, help anywhere I can. And uh, they also have the ACC Network connection up here, ACC Network Extra. They produce games live from uh, Newhouse, and they're able to do the games like lacrosse and field hockey and you know sports that maybe aren't broadcasted like football and basketball on ACC Network, but the, maybe the, the second tier of sports that, you know, are still really good here at Syracuse and try to call those games down the line because, you know, those are games that are you could find on the ESPN Plus and the ESPN app. And to be able to have that on your resume heading into a job out of college, you know, saying I call the ESPN games in college, that would be pretty awesome. But that's probably not going to come for me for a few years because there's a lot of really great kids who have worked to that point and are going to probably be doing it in the fall. So I hope to get on air as soon as possible and I hope to get those reps but I know it's going to take some time, and uh, I'm just going to try to find any outlet to, to get my work out. Probably we'll start some podcasts with some friends and just continue to stay sharp until I you know, have a chance to audition on air at Citrus TV, at WAER on the radio, and, and uh, eventually maybe work with ACC Network Extra. And uh, also Z89 is another good radio station for calling sports. Uh, those are the four organizations that I plan to join soon. And for my curriculum, a lot of core work right now and a couple of uh, basic 
communication classes like COM 107, COM 101, COM 117, the basic new house classes. As I go further and further along, I guess it will become less and less core work and more and more, okay, this is what you want to do, build your path and kind of build what you want to become. Uh, that's the great thing about new houses. There's so many different avenues behind the camera, in front of the camera. And, you know, outside of the BDJ major, so many different kinds of media, television, radio and film, you know, public relations. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to be able to build my path here down the line with my curriculum. But for now, it's a lot of core classes. Ian, is there are there any specific now you mentioned Kenny Albert before uh, you mentioned that you're a big football fan. Are there any announcers that you've styled yourself after? Because I know and I, I, I told Ian this. The, you know, the first 10 years of my career, not maybe not 10 years, but I was doing an Iron Eagle impression. I was a dollar store yeah. Iron Eagle, essentially. <laughs> but like, do you have any announcers that you model your sound after or that you've listened to so much or just by osmosis that you've kind of linked, kind of connected your sound to, you think? I, I don't know if I'd say I try to model my voice after any single announcer. I mean, I like the voice that I have and I do. You know, when I'm doing, when I am calling a game, I try to bring it up a notch, not to an unnatural level, obviously, but to a level where I think it's comfortable and also it sounds good. I really do like Ian because he just gets it. He's a guy who's super relatable, and I think that's something that broadcasters kind of miss out on sometimes is being relatable to the audience. I mean, he is so caught up on, you know, what this generation is thinking about. He's just bringing up social media references and, you know, he's just so in tune with what everything is going on, not outside of a sports world. I think a fan can really appreciate that. So I try to take that from Ian and try to be a relatable broadcaster, not just giving the stats and the info, but also trying to be a well-rounded person when I'm on the air and show personality. I think he does that so well. Uh, I think guys like Mike Breen are fantastic because, you know, he's got such such great command of his voice and he's always on top of things. I love, I think my favorite is Kevin Harlan because Kevin Harlan's just having fun in the end of the day. I mean, he can do things with his voice that few people can. He's got a gift, but he just has fun on air and he makes the experience, I think, better for viewers because he's acting like a little kid. He's getting excited. He punches the big calls. He doesn't make them too goofy. You know, he respects the big moment and he gives it the perfect call in a way that's not like super over the top. And I think he just he balances the line really well. So Kevin Harlan's one of my favorites. Kenny Albert, obviously, I know him and he's great at what he does. He's so versatile. Uh, Ian Eagle, Mike Breen. And um, I mean, so many great guys out there that I'm, I'm leaving off the list. But those are a few of the guys, especially Ian and Kevin Harlan, who just bring the energy, bring the Charis, uh, charismatic charm, bring the smile, and just draw the viewers in. Final one for me, Ian. Um, when, when you look here into to your future here at Syracuse, just yeah. kind of how excited are you to, to get this journey going? I know that you know you had this this great first start at ESPN, and you're looking to build off of that. But just from an excitement standpoint for you and what this business and what this, your future is obviously incredibly bright. And um, just how, how do you look to attack? And I know you mentioned attacking this year, but just the excitement of it all getting set to start a, a new challenge, which is college, just besides the broadcasting side of it. But uh, um, it, you're on your own now. You kind of become an adult when you're at college, right? I am. I'm learning on the fly. You know, I haven't done the laundry yet, but I will have to do it soon. You know, all the, all the big adult things, right? No, I'm super excited to attack the challenge. I love New Canaan High School and I love the television station. 
And uh, I don't want to say I, I outgrew it because I've still got a lot of room to improve, improve as a broadcaster. I think everybody does. You never reach perfection. And, um, you know, but I, I wanted a new challenge. And to be able to call games for a college team, that's the exciting part. Because high school athletics is special and it's really, it's magical. But at the same time, college level athletics, you're going to have guys dunking the ball. You're going to have guys jumping up at heights that, you know, the other guys can't reach. So the highlight plays are going to be amazing. The atmosphere as a student is going to be awesome because I know I'm not going to be able to call all these games from day one. So I want to be a student as well. I want to enjoy game day. I want to enjoy being in the stands and watching some of those games live because in the end, I didn't really do that a lot in high school. I was usually in the booth most of the time. And I had a lot of friends who really appreciated that, but I missed out on that experience a lot too. So I can't wait to, you know, have the full student experience. I really like to get to know people. Everybody here is super kind and engaging. I can't wait to be a friend to everybody in the broadcast department. But as you mentioned, at the end of the day, I'm going to attack it. I'm going to give it my all. As I mentioned with the ESPN, I don't want to fail because of a lack of preparation. Uh, this is what I want to do. I'm most comfortable as a person when I'm in front of a mic or when I'm speaking. And, uh, you know, that's where I want to spend a lot of my time is just working on my craft, continuing to have a bunch of fun with everything I do and trying to get as many reps as possible because this is what I want to do. I'm so happy that early on in my life I found that passion and I've had the ESPN opportunity. I want to be able to get back there, though, and, and not a lot of people do on a consistent basis. But, I, you know, that's that's the goal. That's the goal for a lot of broadcasters, and it already happened for me, and I'm not taking it for granted. So I want to be able to get back there at the end of the day, and I'm not going to uh, as an adult if I don't put the work in. Well, you've certainly done that uh, throughout your high school days and now starting your journey at Syracuse, obviously the experience of the Little League World Series. And uh, before we let you go, again, this is a show that's really designed for guys like you. They're just starting out in this business. And if you could give a little bit of advice to some high school students, you know, at New Canaan, you had a really good infrastructure in place, it seemed like, with yeah. the TV station you had. But maybe for high school students that don't have those opportunities with something that's built, how can they kind of take their first steps and maybe try and start their own uh, professional journey as as a sports announcer uh, while they're still in high school before they even get to college. No, totally, Roger. No, I've talked to a ton of broadcast digital journalism students who have seen my work and they've, they've really loved it. But I tell them, you know, I would not be where I am if I didn't have that station. You know, I wouldn't be as, I guess, advanced or experienced because I would have created my own opportunities, but I wouldn't have really known where to start. But looking back at it, in uh, giving advice to kids who are a few years younger than me and are just starting high school, just build your own opportunities. You know, the power of Zoom is a special thing. And just start by interviewing anybody you can. It doesn't have to be a superstar guest. You know, I also interviewed my friends. I interviewed sports captains. I interviewed teachers. I interviewed coaches. Just get in front of a microphone and figure out who you are as an on-camera personality and just find where you're most comfortable. Just always present yourself in a comfortable manner uh and find what you're good at always look back at your stuff and uh and find where you can improve but also find where you really succeeded and continue to do it but for kids who don't have a high school television station in place try to find other local stations and see if you can get in the door there you know with a radio station or a tv station and just ask to help out behind the scenes and you know eventually pick those people's brains connect with local announcers but in the end of the day, podcasting has become so big and the power of Zoom and the power of Skype we're on right now and all these these uh, these platforms where you can get people together. Take that to your advantage. Be confident. And, uh, you know, also branch out and write as well, too. Right. Because if you're a better writer, you're a better broadcaster. And if you have a local paper or if you have a high school paper, you know, express your voice through there. And eventually, you know, if the greater command you have of the English language and the greater command you have 
writing is you'll have a better command on air as well. So just try to write, try to, you know, interview as many people as you can and show up to games and try to, you know, commentate them as well. It might be a little um, silly, I guess, to some people to show up with like a voice recorder and just call the game by yourself. But in the end of the day, it's the only way you're going to improve in a live setting. So, you know, I see a lot of kids who are telling me, oh, I just started up stations at my high school. I just started up clubs. That's amazing. That's taking it another level. My club was already in place for years. But if you can get a group of kids who are like-minded and build something together, even if you don't know what you're really doing, do it because you're going to make each other better. You're going to push each other and you're going to have a great time doing it. But just create your own opportunities and don't be afraid to actually start and get something out there. That's really good advice. Uh, Last question. What do you got planned for the weekend? First weekend at college. What are you up to? Oh, my gosh. Well, actually, I will let it slip out of the bag. Um, Pitbull's in town and a lot of people are going. And I'm not the biggest Mr. Worldwide fan, I'm not going to lie, but it seems like every kid is going to go to this concert, and it's only like 15 minutes away, so I will be going to that later tonight. Outside of that, there's a lot of new house meetings. We're meeting with Dean Mark Lodato later this afternoon, and his Dean's welcome. And he follows me on Twitter, so I really I want to get to know him personally a little bit because he seems like a super cool guy. And I, I think he's seen what I've done over the last week, so I really want to connect with him, and, and he seems like he'd be an awesome connection. But I've met a ton of new house people already. There's new house events today. There's new house events tomorrow. Uh, I don't really know what's going to go on Saturday and Sunday outside of like school plan meetings. But, uh, yeah, that's what I've going on tonight. I just want to meet a ton of more people, not only in BDJ, but from across the pond and, uh, you know, from around campus. And uh, classes start on Monday. So I don't think we're really prepared for that, for actually getting back in the swing of things. But uh, that will be on the horizon as well. So it's been a great day and a half, two days that I've been here so far. And uh, that's what I've got planned for the next few. From Roger, the they didn't have World Pitbull Series Tennessee. Pitbull. No, we it certainly didn't. didn't. No. <laughs> We had a few concerts, but uh, nothing that great. That's amazing. It'll be my actually. It'll be my first concert ever. I haven't told people that. Never been to a concert. This will be the first. So my first was uh, the Monkees. So I think you're uh, doing a little better now. A little bit. Mine was John Mayer. <laughs> oh, he's from that. Fairfield County, Connecticut. Yes, he is. That's yeah. right. He is. Hey, we're we're building up a uh, you know a social media, not social media, entertainment coalition in Fairfield County. Watch out. There you Love go. That. Well, Ian, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you're off to such a great start in your broadcasting career. Congratulations on the opportunities you've had, not only in high school, but with ESPN. And we can't wait to see kind of what the next steps are for you at Syracuse. We've interviewed a lot of Newhouse Mafia grads in the past, but now we've finally talked to one who's in their first week in the program. Maybe, who knows, we'll check in with you uh, kind of every year to see how things are going. But it seems like you're off to a great start. And just thank you so much for joining us on Broadcaster Hour. No, thank you so much for, for reaching out to me, Roger. And Kyle, so nice to meet you as well as a guy from the Northeast who went to the Bruce Beck camp. You guys are awesome. I love to come back every year. Have me back whenever. And good luck to you, t- you too as well. You guys are awesome and so happy to be on. Thanks, Ian. All right, our thanks to Ian Nicholas, now the newest member of the Syracuse Newhouse Mafia in training. But for Kyle Crooks, this has been Roger Hoover. Thanks for watching Broadcaster Hour.